Anyway, hey, we got a couple more videos. Uh, we shared a few yes, uh, last week. Um, when you've ministered as long as Pastor Don has, you impact people. And uh, so there's a couple more videos we want to show this morning uh, congratulating him. Go ahead. Hey, Pastor, just wanted to say congratulations on your retirement. Uh, join the chorus of others that are so happy for you and proud of you. And um, But I still think you probably should list out the things that you want on your bucket list, perhaps, and uh, in, this, in this next chapter. But um, leave out the Appalachian Trail. You've already done that. Uh, blessings. We all love you. Pastor Don, we uh, love you dearly. And we're so thankful that uh, you have been a part of the ministry team of the Potomac Ministry Network for many, many years. I've watched your uh, ministry as a pastor and as you have served as a presbyter in this district. I've seen your love for God. I've seen your love for your family and I've seen your love for your church and those that the Lord has uh, placed in your care. I've especially watched you over these last few years as you have have uh, raised up leadership in the local church and I am uh, wasn't surprised although just kind of a little bit disappointed that you're stepping down so soon you seem to be so young but uh, I know that you have worked hard at this and I and I trust your your uh, sense of God's timing in your life and I just pray God's blessing upon you I pray God's blessing upon Chris and the church as it moves forward. And I know that God has something else significant to do in your life. So blessings, Don. We love you dearly. Happy Pappy, we heard you're retiring. Wait, I thought Happy Pappy already retired. Didn't he hike the Appalachian Trail? <laughs> no, he just took some time off to do that. Oh, well, here's to you, Pappy. Cheers. Congratulations. Oh, that was great. The first two were uh, our... Um, Secretary Treasurer of the Potomac District and the Superintendent of the Potomac District. And then uh, the last two, the last couple there were uh, two people that Pastor Don hiked the Appalachian Trail with. And then you married them, didn't you? Yeah. And so we were able to track them down. And, uh, and that was really neat. And he, he has broken his Dr. Pepper addiction. <laughs> They're just not aware of it. Yeah, I do want to say really quick one other thing. We're talking about honor. Uh, we spent Sunday through Wednesday in uh, Shore Pump, Richmond. Uh, every year, the Potomac District has a um, minister's retreat. And for the past, I don't know, four years maybe, uh, Pastor Sam and I have um, handled orchestrating all the um, video, lighting, tech stuff, and, and the stage design and all that type of thing. And... Um, what happens is Pastor Sam designs the whole thing, and then I'm the clumsy guy that puts it together. So um, so what I found out, I won't tell you who the guy is, but he pastors like an 11,000-member church in uh, San Diego, California. And he was a, uh, our guest speaker on Wednesday, did two sessions on Wednesday. Phenomenal teacher and uh, author and all that type of thing. And Sam has a, an amazing ability to design these. And, and we use like LEDs, like what you see on our stage, because we're so advanced. Um, so came up with this amazing design. And, and we put it together. And I look over, and this pastor is taking pictures of it. Yeah, and I thought, yeah. I don't know who he was sending it to. It could have been a nobody. But... 
I just thought, you know, that's a testament of the talent God has given us here at our church and the, and the people that are working and volunteering here uh, and do it at such a high level. Uh, you would almost expect somebody that comes from that size of a ministry might have already seen and done everything, but evidently it was uh, good enough that he wanted to take a picture of it. So I just glanced over while he was doing it and then thought, man, that's a, that's a special moment. So I want to congratulate Sam. Um, I don't know if it ever ended up on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, but uh, it was recognized and I saw it. So um, that's a good thing. If you would turn in your Bible into Second Samuel, um, it's good to read your Bible other than we're doing it together. You should read your Bible. Amen? Amen. There's good stuff in it. We're talking about it's your choice again in the context of honor. We talked last week about um, what you elevate, you can receive from, and the people in your life that you will elevate, that you, uh, that, that you can learn from people like that. If, and we oftentimes have what we called last week the static of familiarity, right? People that are closest to us are sometimes the people that are the hardest to honor because we know things about them. I told you, you know, my brother's two years younger than me, but I'm way smarter. Uh, and, and so you get that family familiarity, the people you work with all the time. And because you've known some of their mistakes, you tend to, you tend to turn the dial down a little bit on them. Like, ah, I know what he did. And so I can't really learn anything from him anymore. And so what we talked about was, you know, I love listening to the radio, especially talk radio. And uh, we just took a trip to um, Virginia Tech yesterday for a tour uh, for my daughter. And my wife gets in the car and she said, I hope you have some talk radio to listen to because I want to go to sleep. <laughs> and I said, well, I can make that work, baby. <laughs> so what we often do is we want the radio station to get better. But the problem is that we've got either a bad receiver or a bad antenna. And so we always put the, we always, um, we always put all the weight on somebody else. Well, if you lived your life better, I'd listen to you. And oftentimes it's us that we're not elevating the antenna enough to pick up the reception and that God wants us to elevate people in our lives and then we can learn from them. Amen. We should be a church that elevates people. Isn't that right? Should you come to church and leave like, oh, man, it's the most depressing thing I've heard. And we're not talking about the election. <laughs> we should have prayer meetings for that thing, by the way. It's just like, wow. Um, so, so the thing is, is that when we, tra- when we go around, we should, we should be the ones elevating people. People should feel better when they're around us. And so uh, we talked about that l- last week, and I want to talk about honor this week as well. So Second Samuel chapter 16. This is an awesome portion of Scripture, by the way. It's like, it's like well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this portion, then we're going to skip down a little bit in a second and read another one. But it says, When David had passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of donkeys saddled, bearing 200 loaves of bread, 100 bunches of raisins, 
a hundred of summer fruits and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, why have you brought these? And Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on and bread the summer fruit for the young men to eat. And the wine for those who faint in the wilderness to drink. And some of you went, you're only supposed to drink wine when you faint? And the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he remains in Jerusalem. For he said, today the house of Israel will be given back to the kingdom of my father. And then the king said to Ziba, behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is now yours. And Ziba said, I pay homage. Let me ever find favor in your sight. My Lord, the King. Father, we thank you for your word today. We know it has the power to transform our lives if we allow it. Do just that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen Amen and amen. Tell somebody it's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. Well, you're going to need a little background information on this or this isn't going to make any sense. What has happened in a short, well, not really in years leading up to this, is uh, King David had a son, Absalom. And he also had another son, Amnon, and a daughter, Tamar. And what happens, I'm going to use the PG version of this. If you read in Second Kings, Amnon has fallen deeply in love uh, with Tamar. And he is, you can read it, he's a sick individual. And he comes up with this scheme to get her alone with him. And then he rapes her. Absalom finds out about it and is absolutely furious. And actually, she had begged Amnon, hey, don't throw me out of the room. Like, come on, just just go to the king, marry me. Don't do me like this. And, And he violently uh, just rejects her. I mean, this guy is a sicko. So long story short, Absalom uh, sets out to destroy him, and and uh, Amnon ends up being murdered. And some of you said it's about time, right? (laughs) So Absalom flees from his father, King David, who is, could you, could you imagine telling that at the family reunion? Well, I have three kids, man. Oh, let me tell you the story about them. Well, the one was in love with the other one, and then this happened, and this happened, and then the one killed him, and that's crazy, man. Can you believe it? The Bible has some crazy stories in it. You're like, there's so many rules, so many rules in the Bible. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty interesting story. So what happens is, after years, Absalom decides he wants to come back. David is missing him. The whole thing kind of works out. He comes back to David. Well, he doesn't come back with pure motives. He comes back, and there's some other things I'm not going to talk about that happen. uh, But he, he comes back, and... Over, over several years, he starts to plan a coup. And um, he, he, 
And so he, he starts going through with it. He's standing, he's telling people, hey, listen, you know, David hasn't really set up uh, a lot of people. You know, he's, not, he's just not running this right. He's just not running this right. Come on, you hear talk like this in the office, right? He's just not running this right. If you come to me, if you bring your concerns to me, I can handle it. And so he starts to attract people to himself. And then one day, Throws a gauntlet down and he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise up. I'm going to proclaim myself as king. Well, David gets wind of this and David, and uh, there's like 600 men. There's all his servants and people. He leaves, I think, 10 concubines back to take care of the palace. And they up and split. While they're leaving, he runs in to a guy named Ziba. Now, that sounds insignificant. Just some guy standing there with a couple donkeys trying to help things out, right? The issue is, is Ziba was a servant of King Saul, who was the predecessor to David. He was the first king of Israel. Ziba was his servant, the Bible says. And when David came into the throne, when he became king over all of Israel, the Bible says that one of the things he did, now, it wasn't immediate. It was a little, a little bit of time had passed, but he said, he said, man, is there anybody in Saul's household that I, can, that I can recognize? Anybody left? Because as Pastor Don told you last month, the typical thing was for the king to slaughter everybody that was there before him. No adversaries would be left. David takes another approach. He says, is there anybody left in Saul's household that I can honor? David was super close, best friends. They're like best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. And they come to him and say, hey, listen, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, is still alive. And so they bring Ziba in. He's the servant of Saul and says, hey, listen, you know, who's left? And he says, well, Jonathan had a son. It was Saul's grandson. His name's Mephibosheth, but he's crippled. And David says, bring him to me. So they bring him to him. And David says, hey, I want to honor you. I want to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to take care of you. And you can eat at my table from here on out. And everything that belonged to Saul will belong to you. And this guy, Ziba, will take care of it for you. Him and his whole family, all his people, they're going to take care of all this stuff for you. And you stay with me. You're eat at my table. That sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? I mean, when the prospect is you can either get murdered or eat at the king's table. I'm taking that one every day, right? So David chose to honor him. So now what happens is David is fleeing because his son Absalom is staging a coup. And now that very servant who David had instructed to take care of all of Mephibosheth's stuff, now he's standing by the road with donkey saddled, with all kinds of good food to eat and wine to drink. And David says, what are you doing? He said, oh, king, I just, thinking about you, man, heard what was going on. And I wanted to come here and support you. These donkeys, I saddled them for your people. This wine for, you, for your men to drink, the, all this fruit and all this stuff I've gotten together for you. I care about you, king. Hate to see you run like this, but if you're going to run, I, I want to support you. And the king rightly asked, 
Where's Mephibosheth? Where'd he go? Why isn't he here with you? What? Why didn't you bring him? What, what's he doing? And Ziba says, well, you know, I don't want to say anything. But since you asked, he really has been planning this whole time since, since he's heard you're leaving. He's, been, he's actually been thinking that, that this is the opportunity for God to restore the throne to him. And so that's why he stayed back and didn't come with me. Forget about that he couldn't walk. That's why he stayed back and didn't come with me. Because he thinks God is going to restore. This is his chance now. This is his opportunity. Because, you know, the lineage of Saul would have been Saul, Jonathan, and then, right? So he thinks this is his opportunity. Now, I want you to understand something. Under certain pressures, none of us make great decisions, do we? There's moments in our lives where a bunch of, there's tons of pressure on us and and we make snap decisions. I make snap decisions all the time, whether it's pressure or not. I'm just like, do that. Um, So, so here is a moment. David is under immense pressure. It's one thing for another kingdom to come in and try to take over, but your own son. And so in a snap judgment, David says, Everything that I gave to Mephibosheth is now yours. Now, on face value, this looks all believable, doesn't it? Here's Ziba. He's he's brought all this stuff. He's went to great lengths to prepare. He's supporting the king, and all this stuff is good. And on face value, you could think, man, this is amazing. He's went out of his way to do this. And, And, you know... I mean, the king did ask where he was, and it's just one of those things where, like, I hate to say it, but, but, you know, I need to let you know, king, that he's trying to get your spot now. And, and so, so now, if you just read this little section of scripture, you think, you think, wow, David did a good thing, man. Yeah, that dirtbag, Mephibosheth, you should, you stand trying to take over, take advantage of it, and, and all the stuff he has should be given to Z. But look how hard he's planned for the king. Can I say this? Anytime you have to dishonor one person to honor another, you should double, you should double check what you're doing. Shouldn't you? Anytime you have to lower one person to elevate somebody else, that's not how God calls us to operate, does it? It's like, well, you know, I mean, I really like him. Did you hear what somebody else said about him? You see this in the office all the time, don't you? You see it. You see it all over the place. Like it's just unnecessary most of the time, isn't it? Where we where we have to degrade one person to make somebody else feel good about themselves. And we we do it a lot. We do it a lot. Instead of just giving one person a compliment, we feel like we have to give somebody else a dig. And then that makes them feel better about themselves because now it's not just I want to elevate you. Now now I'm giving you a chance to compare yourself to somebody, right? See what Ziba did here? He's like, hey, listen, I'm standing by your side. He's back there trying to take over. I mean, it'd be nice if you recognize that, right? How many times out of our lives have we done that? Where in order to elevate ourselves, we'll step on somebody else. I don't want to get ahead of myself. 
Beware of people who dishonor in order to honor. That's not a formula that God set up. He didn't say, hey, listen, if you're going to honor somebody, make sure you degrade somebody else. No, he said, we should, we should outdo each other in giving honor, right? So that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I say, hey, you're great, and the reason you're great is because he's terrible. No, we should be lifting everybody up. Come on, we're the church. We should lift everybody up. The trouble is, is when you do that, you may get what you want. Isn't sin tricky? Sin's tricky, isn't it? And here's how it's tricky, because you can sin and get what you want. You know, we like to think, well, if you sin, it won't work. Oh, yes, it will sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely will. The trouble is sin is pleasurable for a season. It doesn't say it won't work for a season, right? I can go rob a bank and have a lot of money, and as long as I don't get caught, I got a lot of money, right? It works. I'm not saying robbing banks work. Don't go out and be like, hey, Pastor Chris just said don't get caught. <laughs> That's not what I said. We took a group of teenagers one time to, to tour a prison. It was like a scared straight program. Yes, our youth ministry needed that when I was in charge. So... Um, uh, a friend of a friend of great friend of mine here, Joe Charette, worked at the prison. He worked there. Uh, this wasn't a visit, um, so uh, he scheduled several times where we go up there, and and we were just bussing in some kids that had rough upbringings, and some of their parents were in prison and all that stuff. So we get there, and I was I mean I was holding somebody's hand. I'm a grown man. I was thinking I'm scared. Um, <laughs> And Joe had set some guys up to scare me even more because I thought everybody was going to be incarcerated like you're supposed to be in cells and stuff. And we get there and everybody's like, hey, man, we're just hanging out out here, 50 of us, and you're going to walk through. Um, so we do that. And ironically, when we left, I'm looking around because I think there's moments in your life where everything changes, right? And I'm praying this is going to be one of them. And they were like, dude, we're not getting caught. Like, I think you missed it. I think you missed it. <laughs> So listen, sin works sometimes to get what you want. That's why it's so hard looking at the world sometimes telling them, listen, what you're doing is not fun. And they're like, no, 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 no. It is very fun. Right? Because we're arguing the wrong thing. We're arguing whether sin is fun or not. We're arguing whether sin works or not. Sometimes it works. You ever worked with somebody that stepped on everybody on their way up to the top, but they made it to the top? And you're at your cubicle going, God, I thought you'd kill them by now. (laughs) So we're arguing the wrong thing. Because in in this situation, what Ziba did worked. He went, hey, listen. I'm here with all this stuff trying to support you, and the crippled guy is back there trying to take your position. Just saying. And what what does David do? Hey, all of his stuff is yours now. Ching! That one worked. Didn't it? And so what happens is, A rash decision, David says, hey, everything I gave him is now yours. And Ziba has accomplished what he wants to accomplish. 
It worked. The problem is, everything has a habit of coming back around, doesn't it? Everything has a habit of coming back around. So, what happens is, is um, man, the Bible stories are, I'm telling you, you should read all through 2 Samuel. You'll be like, man. Absalom the son, okay, there's this battle that rages between David's men and Israel. And uh, the Bible says that Absalom's donkey is running through the woods. And the donkey runs under a big, huge oak tree, and he gets his head caught in it. And the donkey runs off. And so now he's dangling in the tree, helpless. Has anybody ever done that? I'm not exaggerating. I did that with my brother one time on a four-wheeler in an apple orchard. When we were teenagers, we're on a four-wheeler. And, and I, I went around a curve too hard. Uh, and here comes the apple tree. He's sitting on the back. I'm like, <laughs> whack. He's right off the back of the four-wheeler. I'm like, dude, you should have been watching. You, know, I was little, you knew I was going wide. Um, can you imagine? I mean, this really happened. He's riding a donkey, and the Bible says that he gets his head caught. He gets his head caught in a huge oak tree. How does that happen? But it did. So David's men find him and they play a little pinata game with him until he stops moving and they kill him. Whole bunch of stuff goes down. David ends up coming back. Uh oh. David's back now. I mean, what could go wrong, right? He's already given all of Mephibosheth's stuff to Ziba. What, what could go wrong? By the way, Proverbs 119 says, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. It doesn't say that you won't get the gain. It says it will take away your life. Think about that. Some of us have talked ourselves into the results are the only thing that matters. Not how you got there. Proverbs 10 2 says, ill-gotten gains do not profit anyone, but righteousness rescues from death. Everything has a habit of coming back. Absalom is killed, his army is defeated, and David returns. Now watch this. Watch this. 2 Samuel chapter 19. So we're moving forward past Absalom being killed, David's returning. Guess who's still around? Mephibosheth. He's crippled. He didn't go anywhere. He's still there. David comes back. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came back in safety. Wow, he smelled bad. (laughs) You know what that was also a sign of? Mourning. That was also a sign that he wasn't okay what was going down. Watch what David says. And when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, they said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? He answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said to him, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go with the king. For your servant is lame. So he slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. 
Do therefore what seems good to you. For all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my Lord the king. But you set your servant among those who eat at your table. What further right do I have then? I'm just going to cry out to the king, he says. And the king said to him, why speak any more of your affairs? I've decided. You and Ziba shall divide the land. What? Wait, Wait a second. You gave it to me. He lied about me. You gave it to him. And now you're only giving half back to me. Okay, let's do this again. You you gave it all to me. He lied about it. You gave it all to him. When you figured out he, he lied about it, you gave half back to me. You're not going to kill him? I mean, you're not going to do any? What, is he, what does Mephibosheth say? And Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take it all. Since my lord the king has come home safely. You know what? Honor has no expectation. Come on, church. Honor has no expectation, does it? Mephibosheth wasn't going to the king to get back his stuff. He was going to the king to honor him. He was going back to the king to say, hey, listen, it's not what you've heard. I haven't shaven. I haven't washed. I haven't taken care of these feet. I haven't taken care of these feet. And I was distraught that you were gone. But now you're here. Keep it all. I don't even need it. You know what? Is there ever a time in our history with God where we're demanding stuff more than him? When the presence of God visits us in a church service and all we think about is what we can get restored to us. Instead of God, it's a miracle that I'm standing here today honoring and worshiping you. You've done enough. I was a dog before I got here. I was a dog before you delivered me, but you gave me a seat at your table. And so if all I get out of this is being able to sit at your table, I'm fine with it. Come on, church. But we show up as people who have been maligned and disenfranchised, and when we show up, all we're asking for is him to restore something to us. When he's saying, Man, I really wanted to talk about you being at my table. I really just wanted to talk about, it's good to see you. I'm glad to be with you. Come on, you know as well as I do, all those things will be added to you. Amen? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But we put all these things first and hope he adds his presence later. That's not honor. That's angling. All right, three things. Do you want to hear them? Three things that I got out of this little story. Don't believe your own press, ever, especially if you're the one writing it. Don't we tend to write our own news articles? You're sitting down, you're like, oh, this is how people should think about me. Like, I'm going to do this. Come on, listen, you're just like me. Deep down into that humble spirit, you got this pride that you're, you know, punching in the face every day trying to keep down. 
You think, well, if I do this, then so-and-so will send me a card. <laughs> if I do this, maybe they'll, maybe they'll pick up the phone and thank me. Now, I know there's like one and a half of you out there that have pure motives. The rest of you are dogs like me. And, and you're like, you know, maybe I'll finally get recognized. Don't believe that. We have a tendency to tell ourselves we deserve things, don't we? Listen, when you get to the place where you're telling yourself you deserve something, that's a slippery slope. Now, let me explain, because the Bible doesn't implicitly say this, but let me explain how I came up with this. Listen, Ziba was a servant to who? We said it before, King Saul. Now think about that. He was a servant to King Saul during Saul's reign. He was a servant to the king. He's a servant to the king, not to the king's son, not to the king's grandson. He's a servant to the king. That's a big deal. Now, David comes into power and David says, I'm not necessarily recognizing the servants of Saul. I'm recognizing anyone in Saul's family, right? And so who's left in Saul's family? A crippled man, not capable of doing anything on his own. He's crippled. Says he couldn't walk. And so what does David do? He takes a servant that was a servant of a king and makes him the servant of a crippled man. I don't know about you, but I take that as a demotion. I'm not serving in the king's capacity anymore. I'm over here serving some crippled guy. I'm not getting any recognition. And depending on what timeline you look at, he did it for about 15 years. I'm going to serve Mephibosheth. He's sitting over there eating with a king. Me and my family doing all the hard work, sitting over here, not getting any credit for it. He's sitting at the king's table eating whatever he's eating. I don't have anybody cook for me. We're just sitting out here farming this land, doing what we do. Nobody's recognizing us. Nobody's inviting us to dinner. Nobody's 15 years. I'm sick as I can get of serving a crippled man. And then here's the opportunity. You see, the crippled man can't get up and saddle his own horse, saddle his own donkey. So what happens? As soon as he figures out that David's leaving, he leaves Mephibosheth sitting. He doesn't say, hey, listen, why don't you come with me? We'll both go do this. No, he leaves him sitting and he takes advantage of it. Listen, as soon as you start believing that you deserve something that you don't have, you'll do things that aren't right to get it. You'll step on a crippled man to honor somebody else because you think you deserve to have that position. You got to be a special type of sick to step on a crippled man. But isn't that what he did? Man, there's so much that comes. Pride does so much. And we don't call it pride all the time. We call it, well, I've worked so hard for this. It should be mine. It should be mine. I deserve it. It should be mine. And some of the most trouble I've ever gotten in in my life is when I myself have determined that it should be mine. Because here's what you can do. You can gather a whole group of people around you that will agree with you. Start hanging around those people. Hey, man, I was thinking I should have got that promotion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're way better than he is. You're awesome. (laughs) 
Watch out for people that give you very general compliments too. They're idiots. <laughs> Next time a person says, you're awesome, just go, that's it? That's all you got? You're awesome? I mean, that could be anything. Like, do you, you know me? You know, like, so, let's say something specific. My prayer is that we're a church that elevates everyone. And if you're in a position where you're taking advantage of someone else's difficulty to promote yourself, run to God. Ask for forgiveness. There was no honor in what Ziba was doing. Everything about what he was doing was dishonorable. Everything about what he did was dishonorable. And the, 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 the crazy part is, in our modern, modern culture, we can mask dishonorable actions as if they were honorable. It's like, it's like the angel of light, right? It's like Satan coming as an angel of light. It's like he's, it's like everything Satan does is a copy of the real thing. And so we get in ourselves that, well, I'll sort of honor him sort of backhandedly, but I'm actually dishonoring the whole time. But it looks good in the moment, so I'm willing to go for it because all that matters to me is the end result. I get what I deserve, right? So at the end of the day, I'll step on anybody I got to step on to get to where I need to go because I deserve it. And I'll step on the crippled guy. I can't get over that. You should be more offended in our modern day politically correct society. You should be very offended. Honor should never come at the expense of someone else. Here's a little statement I came up. When you climb, are you stepping on or stepping with? That's a totally different scenario, isn't it? What if Ziba went and got Mephibosheth and said, hey, listen, the king's called me to honor and serve you. It's an important moment. And I know you can't get there on your own, but I'm getting ready to saddle a couple donkeys up and I'm going to put you on one of these donkeys and we're going to go honor the king together. I'm your servant. I'm going to make this happen for you. What if he'd have just put Mephibosheth up on the donkey? You think Mephibosheth would have said, man, we can't afford all that. No. He would have went with him. And my prayer is in this church is that no one gets stepped on, but we all step with each other. Amen? To every level that God has for us, we take the steps together. Come on. Come on. We take the steps together. Come on. I know you're struggling right now. I know you feel crippled because of sin in your life, because of difficulties in your life. I know I know nothing's worked for you for the past three or four years, but guess what? We're stepping together now. We're going to step up another level and another level. This church will step on you. We're going to pick you up if we have to drag you up with us to the top. doesn't matter if you can walk on your own or not. Well, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Yeah, it does say that. (laughs) Jerk. Yeah. Throw that in every context. You can stuff it in. It also says to outdo each other in giving honor. 
and appreciation and loving each other. And it never says, look at the person and say, you're lazy and, and you're good for nothing. And we're going to step on you on our way to spread the gospel. <laughs> praise the Lord. Give him a shout of praise. We're going to step on all these people in order to spread the gospel. How insane is that? We're not stepping on anybody. We're stepping with people. And if you're in a season in your life where you can't walk, guess what? There's two big guys that are going to grab you by the shoulders. And we might drag your legs off, but you're going with us. You're going with us. You know, I know this is so important to God. Because Jesus paid attention to people like Matthew and Zacchaeus. Who were tax collectors and despised by everyone. And yet he said, what are you doing today? Come on, let me come to your house. Because I'm not stepping on you like society has done. I'm not stepping on, on you because, because you're a traitor to, to Israel. I'm not stepping on you because you've sinned. I, come on, I'm, going to, I'm stepping with you. I'm going to your house. I'm going to your house. You know, how, you know how I know this is close to the heart of God? Because stories like Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 3, it says, One of Pharisees invited him to eat with him, and he entered in the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of fragrant oil. She was crippled by her sin, and all she could do was come beg at the feet of Jesus. She stood behind him, at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with a hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with fragrant oil. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. You know what he was saying? We step on people like that to get where we think God wants us to go. There's no honor in that. We're Pharisees. We don't put up with this. We're the religious sect. People like this don't come in our presence. Don't you like it when Jesus knows what you're thinking? He does. He knows what you're thinking right now, making your grocery list while I'm preaching. Jesus tells a story about who owed more debt. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me nothing. You didn't take one second to honor me. You didn't take one second to give me the the honor that I deserve as the son of God, Emmanuel. God, you didn't even realize I was sitting in your house who I was or what I was capable of, but you were willing to step all over this woman in order to degrade her, to make, you think, to make me think you were doing something special. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins are forgiven, been forgiven. That's why she loved much, but the one who's forgiven little loves little. Listen, church. Honor should never come at the expense of someone else. We elevate people. We elevate people. Come on, we elevate people. People walk in here with a life cluttered and clogged up with sin. Guess what they need? They don't need condemnation. They need elevation, right? They need, we need to raise them up. We need to tell them that God loves them and is for them and is with them. It can break every addiction, can break every sin. Is that what the Bible says? 
We're going to honor people. We're going to go out of our way. And I don't have to dishonor you to honor somebody else. We're not going to step on people. We're going to step with them. Honor stands on its own. Stand up with me. I'm going to teach you one more thing. Honor stands on its own. There's a beautiful thing that happens here right at the end. Mephibosheth, David says, hey, listen, I'm going to give half back to you. Hey, you know why I did that, by the way? Here's a little intriguing thing. Does any of you know the story later on? Solomon, the wisest king ever to live, had all kinds of wisdom and knowledge and unbelievable uh, brain capacity and all that stuff given to him by God because he prayed the right prayer. The Bible says that two women brought one kid to Solomon as king. Because they had babies at the same time and one of them died overnight. And the one woman said, well, now this is my, she swapped babies in the middle of the night. Let me tell you something. You're sleeping too close if you can swap babies. You know what I'm saying? So she swapped babies in the middle of the night. And then when they went to the king, she says, well, this is my baby. And the other woman who had a living baby, how can you mistake a baby? Um, had a living, she said, no, that's my baby. You know what King Solomon said? Well, we'll cut it in half. You can have half and you can have half. Sounds logical to me, doesn't it? And so the woman whose baby it really was said, forget about it. Let her keep it. There's no way I'm going to do that. No way. So Solomon figured out who the real mother was. It's called the Solomon principle, I think. No, for real. It's It's a tactic people use nowadays. We don't even realize, I believe King David was using it before Solomon ever became king. King David looks, you know, I think there's a moment in time where he says, um, where he says, hey, I'm not sure if I made a mistake or not here. I got one guy telling me that, that Mephibosheth was trying to take my throne. And then Mephibosheth here now all disgruntled looking, not washing his feet, stinking up the place. Now he's telling me he wasn't doing it. And I already gave all the stuff back to the other guy. So, hey, Mephibosheth, I'm going to give half of it back to you. Honor stands on its own. Did you hear me? Honor stands on its own. It doesn't need any help standing up. You don't need to prop it up. You don't need to do anything else with it. It's just there. You're going to, I'm king. I'm here to honor you today. There's no ulterior motives. There's no, there's nothing I'm trying to get from you. And what the king, what, what Mephibosheth say? Man, just tell him to keep it. Just tell him to keep it. I don't need, I don't care about it. You gave me a place at your table? I don't care about it. I don't care about it. I don't care about it. You know what I believe that indicated to King David? I got the right guy here in front of me. I got the right guy here in front of me. Church, what if we were a church that honored people regardless of what we could receive from, regardless of what? What if when we prayed? I know the Bible says ask, but is our loyalty and our commitment to God based on what we're getting or who he is. What if we lifted our hands today and said, Lord, you know my needs. The Bible says you knew them before I even asked. But I'm telling you this morning, whatever, you're enough. If you give me a place at your table, which you said you have done, through Jesus Christ, you've, I'm, I'm, I'm a son of God, I'm I'm. I'm you brought me into the family. I have access to you. So I'm putting my demands down and I'm going to honor you for who you are. Amen. Could we do that this morning?
Come on, in the last 30 seconds, just raise your hands, close your eyes. I know we came in here with problems. I know we came in here with difficulties at our work. I know we came in here. Some of us have stepped on other people on our way to the top. Some of us, some of us have, have done things to other people to get to where we are right now. And we need to ask for forgiveness for it. I know that. But I want you to understand that there's a God in heaven who will absolutely forgive you. And there's a God in heaven that if you seek him first, if you would take a Mephibosheth attitude and say, Lord, let him have it all. All I need is you. Let him have it all, Lord. There is no injustice if you make the decision. There is, I can't lose if you make the decision. Let him have it all. All I need is you today. Come on, can we pray like that? Come on, church. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I pray that you do a work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd step with people, not on them. I pray, Lord, that your presence would lift us together, Lord, that we'd overdo each other, that we outdo each other in giving honor. Lord, I pray at the end of the day that we would honor you and you alone, Lord, not just what you can offer us, God, but who you are. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the soon coming King. You're the only one by men should be saved, God. You are it. And regardless of your decision, God, we honor you this morning. You're sovereign in our lives. And we lift your name and we lift you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. Give him honor and glory this morning. He deserves it.